Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Glory? I'm furious with you. Okay. What are you mad about? I'm mad. Because you, you, you know what you did, Mama? No, I don't. A few days back, you were like, hey, you have to do this or you can't watch TV before you watch TV. And you just do that without, like, any deals. And who said you could do that? Not me. Do, and do. I was even elected president of the Radway House. And you're just going around dilly-dally, just making up rules that no one agreed about. You have an assumption that I am bullying everybody, manipulating them, and doing whatever I want them to do. And because everybody wants to do what I say to do, you're mad at me for it. No, no, Mama. Yes? They were trained to. They were raised to be obedient. Yes. If a wild pack animal was just, like, forced to do something, yes. they would bite you. Stand up fussing and fighting. I'm Nalika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising free children. Today, I am joined by, oh my gosh, a whole, my whole tribe, like a whole, like I don't even, I brought everybody, like it's like all the people. So um, I'm going to start like with Rayshom. Tell me, tell me how to say your last name. Mantri. 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 Okay. Oh, say hi to the people. Hi. Um, Carvel Wallace. Hi. Um, and Homero Radway. Hello, people. Um, and so I brought us all together to talk about raising children who are very in touch with their. I mean, I call like apoplectic children. I think Carvel, you helped me coin like us understand that term. But basically, children who are like enraged, and um, what raising them or being community with them is teaching us about love, and also about like rage. Um, and so, um. Who else to get into the shits with other than <laughs> the three of you? So, um, and so I guess I'm going to start the podcast with like one word to describe how um, you're feeling. You start, Rasham. How are you feeling? I'm feeling um, in touch with my rage, with mm-hmm. my grief today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like another shooting in America, kid, elementary school kids, um, you know, just saying, because I don't know when this will air, yeah. but that's definitely, um, you go on social media and you're, you feel like a collective grief and rage. So I am like, it, that's in me too. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I was in Chinatown today and my hair is purple now, mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. So that's, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of fun. 
So, and I, so like, I'm also feeling like, yeah, I can, I still remember how to like take care of myself and, you know, both those things I think serve me like the rage and yeah. care and love. So just sitting with all looking, that. You're looking like a superhero right now. For real. <laughs> you, look like, you look like, you look like you have an outfit in the closet that you take out in a little while. To go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harvell, tell us how you're feeling right now. Um, the only image I keep thinking of is, you know how the universe is constantly expanding? Like that, that the scientists say that everything is like coming apart. And a couple of weeks ago in this piece, I wrote something like um, about coming apart. And I wrote, if if I'm going to come apart, let me at least come apart towards you or come apart towards God. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm coming apart. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like whatever is at the center is like mm-hmm. holding, but everything else is expanding outward. So mm-hmm. whatever the word is for that, I'm sure there is one word for that, that if I had really done my due diligence as a writer, I would have found this morning, but uh, I didn't. I didn't do that. I just went for a walk instead. How are you feeling, Ben? Mm, tender. Mm-hmm. Very tender. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh gosh, I don't. I. I too. I like. I can't think of the word, but it's like you're holding the end of a rubber band, and you're right before you're gonna let it go. Like it's mm-hmm. like you're still. What is that? There's a word. There has mm-hmm. to be a word for that feeling. It's like. Are you anticipating? Maybe it's like it's an anticipation, excitement, um, like a letting go. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a, it's a whole thing, but that's what it's what all those words like mashed together um, mean. And so let's really quickly, um, Rachel, start. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, a bit about myself. I am a writer. I'm a death worker. I'm a lawyer who does not practice in court, but I like to use my legal background to help people. So um, the the new thing I'm doing is help, you know, helps helping to support femmes in who are going through a divorce or through a separation. Um, so I would, I guess, I would call myself a divorce mediator, and I'm a single co-parent um person who's navigating divorce currently and uh yeah i think that's what i'll say about myself okay yeah carvel um i am a writer uh and a parent to two kids who are 19 and almost 17 um and uh i write about um, <laughs> about emotions and feelings and um, trying to survive <laughs> emotionally, spiritually survive this whole thing. That's what I write about. Uh, and uh, I think that's all I, that's all I have to say right now. No. I mean, I feel like in all the moments, I'm all these different things, but right now I feel like I am a, you know, I had the, this black men's group in Rotterdam this Sunday. And um, I was like, all these brothers sitting around and talking about feelings and values and just like really opening up and being really vulnerable and just talking about how like they don't have a place to be their whole selves. And so 
something about being in that space. I was kind of like a facilitator or like a portal and like all of these emotions were like kind of just flowing into and through me. And um, yeah, starting to become more comfortable, I think, in that like role of like facilitating and like holding space and like being emotionally open. So I don't know, I'm, that's part of who I am, I guess. And then I'm also... I'm really proud of being like a cheerleader for these four amazing people I live with. You know, like yeah. I'm the league's ride or die. Like I, I root for her and scream about her and cheerlead for her all the time. And like getting to do that every day with the kids is amazing. It's uh, yeah, I'm like a I don't know cheerleader, um, dad, and I do some other work that doesn't seem as nourishing or full as any of that. You know? So that's right. <laughs> Tell us about your your children. So I have an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they will be nine and 13 this year, which um, still feels crazy to me. Um, you know, my eight-year-old, you know, last two years I've gotten more interested in astrology. <laughs> I'll just say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, what is this eight-year-old about? She's a cancer. So... Um, I, she teaches me a lot about um, giving her her time and space to express her feelings how she needs to. She teaches me about like holding for her. Um, she's very expressive um, in in all these ways, I guess. Um, <clears throat> and she has <clears throat> she has like a beautiful art practice, but she just also is like really funny, emotional child. And then my 12-year-old is, um, like, I'm just learning about this child. She's very competitive. She is um, interested in uh, her education and studying and exams and <laughs> competing in a way that's really interesting. And not just in exams, just, like, competing. Like, she gets a thrill I think from uh, just, um, I guess, competing in various things and feeling um, like she has skill in different areas. She's also the one who you have to sit with her for a while to um, get to what's underneath. You have to spend a lot of time. And I think I'm still in uh, process with, with her of like getting to know her. She's really curious about my story is the times that we really connect or when um, she, she asked me questions about my childhood, like people I've dated and she's really interested in that. And I think, I, so I'm learning about my own vulnerability and sharing as a way to connect with her. That's what she kind of teaches me about. Yeah, they're great. I, I live with them <laughs> half the time and, and they, they make me laugh and I have a lot of fun like yeah. hanging out with them, with these people. I was like thinking as you're talking about like, I want to know all the things she wants to know. I'm so curious. Yeah. 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 Carvel, tell us about your children. My kids are, um, I, I like that Rachel kept saying, I'm still getting to know them, especially about the older one, because I feel that way about my kids is, um, and I think part of that is because they're always changing. 
and um, and stuff that you thought was inherent to their personality because they were that way from the beginning. Turns out they're no longer that way. They just stopped being that way. And other stuff that you thought was just like a phase, turns out that that's really what they're going to turn out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, I'll go backwards. My 19-year-old is, uh, is like out, like she's making the, he's got a, a foot and a half out in the world. Um, he is working a job. He right now he's on a camping trip in the mountains with his best friend and some other kid. And uh, I didn't even know he was going camping until he was already gone. His mother was like, oh, I was like texted him. And I was like, oh, have you heard from our son? She's like, oh, I think he's uh, camping. So like the fact that he can be places and we don't know where he's at um, is part of the, the age that he's at. He's He's planning a move out of the house right now. He's a few weeks away from pulling the trigger on that, getting that uh, going. That's a phrase I need to stop using. Um, and he is, um, and he's like, it's been interesting with him because what I've learned um, <clears throat> is that he, you know, in our family, the lore about him is that he's always a little messy. He doesn't remember things. He forgets things. His ADHD. Maybe there's some other neurodivergent stuff happening with him. All that's always been the thing about him ever since he was a little tiny kid. And um, and it, it's been interesting to. So like that translated to when it was time for him to like go out in the world and do stuff, get a job, pay rent, figure out money, bills. We were just like, we'll see if he can figure this out. But we also had this experience of knowing that he has um, he has a tremendous ability to figure out what's happening around him in ways that I think even people around him don't recognize that he's doing. Um, and so I think we've always felt like if we could just let him go in the world, he will find his way to flourish, especially once he escapes some of the narrative that he grew up around, even among his friends, like, oh, he's always so silly. Oh, like I even watch how his friends tease him now. They're the 19-year-olds that have known him since he was in kindergarten, they have him in this box. And I'm I'm watching him like, oh, I see he's out of this box. And I remember one time he told me, um, uh, Dad, you can stop parenting me now. I, I don't need it anymore. And he was right. And I and I when he said it, I knew he was right. This was probably like beginning of maybe late junior year. And I was like, he's absolutely fucking right. I actually do need to stop parenting him right now. That's not what he needs. And so at that point, I pretty much did. I mean, I couldn't do it right away because old habits die hard. But eventually I was like, listen. And then what I found in that absence of my quote unquote helping is that... (laughs) <laughs> his mom always says you should put everyone should put the word help in quotes um mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh what i found from my uh you know when i backed away from my helping is that he then set the tone for when he needed my help and he he mm-hmm. asks me for help all the time he'll call me up he'll he'll come over he'll be like dad i have a question about this how do i navigate this what should i do and i'll tell him and then but outside of that he doesn't need my input um and so it's been beautiful to watch him flourish in his own ways um, my daughter, who is 17, um, is the one maybe we're here to talk about. <laughs> She's the one who um, <laughs> is has the access to the rage that I just find absolutely fascinating and immensely powerful. She's about to start her senior year. She's navigating a very um, s- fucked up world. Her teachers are fucked up. The race stuff at her school is fucked up. She's acutely aware of it in ways that I was not. I was navigating the same shit, but I had no idea what was happening when I was her age. She's immensely aware of it. That's part of what fuels her anger. She's relentless. She has very little forgiveness for people who violate her in any way, shape, or form. 
Um, and she also goes into scorched earth mode when she feels like she's been crossed. She'll she'll hurt everyone emotionally. Everyone in the room is going to get it. There's, there's no escape. Doesn't matter if you duck behind a couch, you're still going to catch it. <laughs> and that's just the way she moves through the world. And I respect it. And I've, I've never tried to be, get her to not be that way. Sometimes I've tried to like avoid getting hurt, but I've never tried to keep her from being that way. And that's my parenting decision with her because I think she needs that anger to navigate the world as, as it exists. Would you like me to? Would you like to? Well, I don't. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll, 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 we can talk together. Mm. Go ahead. I think Who I'll, are you starting with? I think I was going to think about their. I was thinking about their art. Like what you guys said made me think about their art mm-hmm. and, like and how they're expressing art right now. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll start with Blue because we're going to save the rage for last. Mm-hmm. But the um, Blue is in this space where she's like, She's a bum knee because she's been dancing all day on Saturday and then went to singing today and is finding her voice as a like a leader amongst her peers in school where she's getting to start to figure out like how to um, express rage in like little circles and bigger circles and waves, you know, and um, I'm excited for her and also feel like why are adults so shitty that kids have to come home and like fucking express rage to get over their shittiness it's like it's annoying and makes me rageful and it's like this is all really unnecessary if you could just be a lot more thoughtful with your words like as te- these teachers could be a lot more thoughtful with their words so that shit is making me rageful and then moxie is in the middle and we were just in here just now working on this mural and it's like watercoloring and painting and creating um worlds inside of worlds and outside of worlds of characters and drawings and images and ways to express light like moxie talks about light in ways that's like like a million ways to think about it that i've never imagined it's giving me goosebumps now just think about it and he just like was really seeing the world in a way that like i don't know anyone that does see the world that way and um yeah, it's wild. It's like how people I've heard people talk about artists that they meet that just like are expansive and thoughtful mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. And then Glory, Glory's like Shonda Rhimes 2.0 uh, <laughs> whole thing, like amazing storyteller, all about getting this bank, like, <laughs> yes, like yes, just yes. all about it. Yes, and yes. It's not like how you spoke about your daughter Carvel. Is this like very similar? Just not here for any taking any shorts. Like you are not going to treat me little. You're not going to treat me treat me less. Like mm-hmm. is willing to express it in a way that I think is a nurturing of what we did in our house. Like of giving her space to be able to do that. And when she does it in the world, I have some wild stories. Hopefully I get to tell one <laughs> it took some real adjusting to like stand in space and be still while like the six year olds just screaming at the top of their lungs. Like, you know what I mean? And but right, you know, and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I'm thinking about them right now. Okay. Wow. Um so um I guess yeah, my question, you guys said so much about, I feel like sometimes when we get to the next question, it's a lot about like, well, how are you engaging with that person? And here it's like, from just your description of your children, I'm feeling and seeing like how you're engaging with them, um, which is like, do I just skip my question now? <laughs> <laughs> but what I was, what I was going to ask is, 
um, what do you what do you agree on right now? So what are you and your children agreeing mm. on right now? We agree on so much. That's actually one of the great for me joys uh, and of like this whole parenting thing is that now, especially now that my kids are older, sometimes I'm like, you know, my whole younger life, I was like, oh, I, I like wish I had more people like like me that I could kick it with. And then sometimes I look at my kids, I'm like, I made them. There they are. Like I like I grew, you know, two like homies from scratch. Um, and uh, <laughs> and. My daughter and I agree on a lot. Um, she calls me up to tell me about these aggressions of her teacher. And I feel really, you know, there's this saying that um, no matter how far down the path of suffering you've gone, one day you'll see how that experience can benefit someone else. And I think with my daughter, I'm experiencing that <clears throat> a lot that, um, that I uh, get to, even just the other day, she's in this like, separate she goes to this big school it's like huge city school but she's in this smaller program in it that program is like overwhelmingly white i think now she's the only black kid left in that program in her senior year i think at the beginning there were like eight of like 150 kids and now there's like none they all left except for her and she made the decision to stay for her senior year and um and she was talking about how she made that decision and i was you know we were talking i just like felt like she just called me up in that moment because she wanted to get validation about what the, what she was experiencing, what she felt like she was experiencing, she indeed was. And so I feel very wonderful when I get to like break down, especially her literature teachers will say shit about books that I'm like, that's not true. Here's an interview with the author where they literally said the opposite. And, you know, and just like arm her with that. <laughs> And um, we agree on that. We agree about people being ridiculous. We agree on people being funny. We agree on the world being absurd. Um, we agree on the, the best tacos. We agree on like mm. the best thrift stores. Like we agree on stuff musically, culturally. We agree on the best TV shows. Like I love agreeing with my kids. And at this point, I almost always do. Um, and uh, it's the same with my son. He's like reached that point where you know, there's so much, but I'll just give the example of music because I, when he, when they were younger, I used to be pl playing music in the car and they'd be like, what is this? Turn it off. I want to hear Big Sean or what, you know, whatever was like, ha like happening for them in like 2011, 2012. And now they consistently are like, dad, have you heard this? And it's like, that's literally the music I used to play for you. Uh -huh. that you used to throw tantrums about seven years ago. Now here you are bringing it to me. So, um, I think we agree on a worldview. I think the three of us really agree on a worldview. We agree on you. We all pray. See, this is what I'm talking about, these people. Really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm gonna let I was thinking about other I'm stuff. Gonna I this, I'm just going to let this conversation happen. Go ahead. Yeah, that Go was ahead. it. That was my whole thing. Go ahead. No, no. No, that no, really was my whole thing. Okay. That was my whole thing. I agree. I, I think we do agree on that. I think um, it's like, I was thinking of like the thing that we like, you know how they do in um like the like one of those dating shows, like somebody's behind the wall and you ask them. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I was thinking, like, what's one thing that if they asked and I asked, we you could ask us in different rooms and we would agree on? Mm -hmm. We all agree that you are dope. Um okay, I'll go next. Um I think we all I was going to say, like, we have this inside. Um, it's so crazy. This is like I'm going to say that you guys are doing. But anyway, um, we have this song that we sing as a family. Um, it goes, it's from some musical. 
And it's about like, we're only human. They're only human. They don't know. Something, something. They're only human standing still. Anyway, the, the, pre- the premise of the song is this idea of like, why are human, why do humans suck? And, and like, don't like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. They're only human. They're doing their very, very best. Like, yeah. And so we like at least, twice a day we're singing that song someone's singing that song yeah. to someone else yeah. in this family like yeah. literally that is like happy like, they like i don't know and it was just like they're only human mm-hmm. and we start to sing the song and we're all just like right yeah. and so i don't know what that i don't know what i mean because there's a lot of that that could be fucked up but I think that what it is is this idea of people you I think it's a desire to be okay with or accept that we love people and we're mm-hmm. community people and we care for people who mm-hmm. don't love in the same way we love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or don't have the same kind of like mm-hmm. orientation towards love, but we love them. Mm-hmm. And I think we're like, that song is just kind of like a way to be like, they're, you know, they're only human. Like, we got it. Like, this is who we're in space mm-hmm. with. And we're human too, you know, and we're human too. And yes, I think we're in agreement about that. Yeah. It's funny that question because I don't know, my kids are like, they're not babies. They're not like super teenagers yet. So I, question a lot as I'm sitting here thinking about what we agree on I'm like wait but is that because I've like mind controlled them into believing them (laughs) you know like I'm more like but you know I think that I'm really happy I think we agree on how to treat people on a fundamental Mm -hmm. basis like Mm -hmm. my kids will call me out in the car if we pass someone who's like asking for money and like I don't give that time they're like wait why didn't you know things like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. my mom my mom lives with us so mm-hmm. my dad used to before he died so there's also they've grown up with a way that you treat your elders mm-hmm. that makes me really happy which i think extends to like other people other not just in their family um other older people that are around and um i think i don't know i think that we all agree on like you may learn by making mistakes because I'm just all the time like I I make mistakes I am not and I want you to know you can also make mistakes and the younger one I think definitely gets it I'm just like does the does the other one get it mm. but um yeah and like humor I think just like cracking jokes mm-hmm. being weird you know we we all kind of have that going on and but that's what I'm saying like I've just always been like that and my kids are now like this too so I don't know you know is this another way we commute they communicate with me because Mm -hmm. they know that I respond to it Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting I mean I'm thinking about Carvel what you said like escaping the narrative we have grown up with it'll be interesting to see who they become what we agree on after we have not lived together Yes. for a long time like yes. when they're 30 and they come back and and then like what do we you know that'll be interesting 
Yeah. Are you scaring me? You're You brought me somewhere I had not considered. Um, and I'm like, I'm trying to be neutral to it. My 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 visceral insides like said that's not how that works. But I mean, I know that's also protective, <laughs> like self-serving. Um, and then you say these things, and it makes me think about like it makes me think about aging and mm. like really what happens in that like yeah. like there's this a way like that's a real thing <laughs> like you know that's just yeah. that's like a real thing mm. that is happening and not just to them yeah. to us you know to all of us yeah. we're all aging yeah. and that has really that's a that's a thing so yeah um <laughs> so um oh my god so interesting so when we were thinking when I was thinking about having this conversation around like rage and like what does it look like um to have these people I started to think about how I experienced rage or I experienced my child's expression of rage as like chaos like it creates this like what the like my whole nervous system my whole like my whole everything is it is just off like it's nothing is going to be working here and um so I asked you all we're doing a recollection so that we can um honor ourselves as children honor children um and just like tap into like what that feels like Remember, remember, remembering ourselves. And so I asked you all to push back as far as possible um, to a memory of chaos. And Meryl, do you want to start? Um, yeah, I'll start. My memory of chaos is it's kind of, I guess it's, yeah, I'll tell the whole story. I, um, my earliest memory of chaos is I, it's like a, like a sunny, like weekend afternoon. I'm with my dad. And at this point I'm living with my dad alone in Jamaica and we're actually, we're playing golf and it's just me and my dad out there playing. And we just like, I'm waiting a whole long time and I don't really know why, but we're not getting to play. And it's just like, I'm just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. And then finally he's like, okay, we're going to go play. So me and him go play. And like soon as we start, like 10 minutes into this thing, we're like halfway down like the first hole. And um, I just see my dad stop. And we're like, relax, everything's good. Like we're finally gonna play. He just stops and he just walks away from me and starts walking towards, like walking back to where we started. There's a guy standing there and he's standing by a tree. And my dad just walks up to him reaches down on the ground, just picks up a rock and just smashes it against his head and against the tree. And I just see blood splatter everywhere. This guy just goes down to the ground. Um, and uh, yeah, it was crazy. And my dad just turns and he just starts walking, not back towards me, but like out of the park, like leaving the place. And I'm just standing there watching him. And then like a group of people start gathering behind him and they're all walking with him. And he just like walks out and just leaves. And I stand there for who knows how long. And then finally somebody comes over to me and they're like, your dad's going to the police station. You just supposed to just wait right here. 
And I just sit like on the grass for hours till it got dark, till everybody went home. And I'm just sitting there waiting, waiting, not knowing what happened, not knowing why or how. And um, he finally just comes back and he, he doesn't ever tells me anything about it. He just never explains it. And um, I think, you know, for a while, and it still does, the, it like lives in my nervous system in a way where it's like not my rage, but I can feel it, which is a weird thing. And, and I have access to it as power, but I'm afraid of it because it can kill. And so, yeah, that's my earliest story. And it's something it's really crazy because before I even, so I commune with a spiritual messenger and last night she sent me a message and she didn't know about this interview or anything. She sends me a message last night and the first paragraph ends in capital letters, rage. It was really, mm-hmm. and just give me chills now. Mm-hmm. She was just like talking about like, you know, the rage that I do carry in my body that's like, yeah, deep in my nervous system. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing with us. Mm-hmm. You're like such an amazing mm-hmm. storyteller. Mm-hmm. Very like, <clears throat> you're sexy right now, bro. Mm-hmm. You're doing all the things. Um, Rasham, can you share a story with us? Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, it's, I'm excited about that. Um, I have, um, you know, because I, I don't really follow directions properly. I have like a bunch of, I just, I'll just start. But I feel like <laughs> I go for it. Yeah. <laughs> when you emailed us about the prompt, I feel like from my childhood, the earliest recollection of chaos are my trips to Mumbai to see my family. And we lived, we, I was born in Queens. You know, so not, I wasn't born in the suburbs. And then at some point we moved to New Jersey to like a quiet, very white suburb. So I had known a city in, in America, but there is no city like Mumbai, like Bombay, you know? So I think for me, um, it's just memories of being in a rickshaw or in a car in India. And there's like cows, there's like goats, there's dogs, there's people, there's people living on the street, there's people working on the street, there's like shops, just like just, but also it, so it, it, it hits you as chaos, but then you, you watch it and things make sense at the same time. So it was a kind of chaos, I think, that made a lot of sense to me that I felt like, oh, this makes sense. This is how, you know, there was not a lot of violence, weirdly, that you would see within it. It just was, you would see, like, um, poverty, but, I mean, you would also see a lot of beauty within it. So that's just kind of, like, um, chaos within life. And then there was, like, this sort of chaos of, like, suburban America, which was really different, which was, like, my father raging because I'm setting the table for dinner. I'm probably like 10 or something. And I leave like a pen on the dining room table and he just like loses his shit. And that's not every night that I do that, but that's just like 
a random thing, you know, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, so it was the kind of rage that came out of nowhere. Um, it would be like, he's brushing my hair and I had like very thick, knotty hair. He's brushing my hair and I could tell he's like brushing it really hard. Um, because he's annoyed that I have knots or he, but, but it doesn't even seem like it's about my hair. It's just like hurting me. And he's like brushing my hair. And that feels like chaos because every other time, like other times, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. So there were moments like that of just, yeah, my streets are quiet. Everything's quiet. But within my home, there were just like moments of chaos and rage. But the moments, and it came a lot from my dad, but then there were moments um, where I saw his rage, like in relationship to white supremacy, like we would be driving and someone in a car would either like say something to him or do something, you know, uh, make some gesture and he would like never stand for that. And that was rage that I like understood. So that didn't feel like chaos. That felt like, oh, this is, you know, so he'd ride up straight to their bumper and like be, you know, he'd fuck, curse them off. If he was in front of them, he would like slow down. Um, so it's interesting that, so like there were moments of rage that felt diff like that I didn't understand and that felt like chaos as a child, but it wasn't the rage, right? It was that I couldn't understand it. When I saw his rage in reaction to something that was truly fucked up, then I was like, yes, this is, this is what you do. And I think a lot of my childhood is like, this person didn't have the tools to explain his rage in our house or his rage at like living in this society. So it comes, it feels like chaos to a child. You're just, you're not explaining to me. I'm just getting hit with your rage. But I mean, I guess I'm just glad that I had some moments where I saw his rage like outwards at the system. Cause I don't know. Cause that's now as an adult, I sit with like, I'm piecing together a little bit. Mm -hmm. you know, with what I have, he's not here, but I guess, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's, that's my chaos story. <laughs> Thank you. Um, younger me, my mother went, went through this period of homelessness when I was like, from ages six, like six to seven. And, uh, the first night of that, um, my mother, we were living, we had gotten evicted from this apartment. So living in DC, like Maryland, Virginia area. So then we went to live with my mom's sister for a while. And my cousin, which I really like, cause her cousin, her son was my age and he was like best friends. And so like, to me, that was just like an extended sleepover. Like I was really with that situation. And then they had some kind of falling out. And I remember we left or we got kicked out and it was the middle of February and it was the middle of the snowstorm. And I just remember like getting to the car with my mother and uh, we were just sitting in that car and then the car wouldn't start, you know? And in that moment, I just saw everything in her face. Like I saw her life. Like, here is this person who's like a mother of this child who was in a car in a snowstorm and there's nowhere to go and the car won't start. And I, I just think for whatever reason, uh, maybe I was like empathic as a kid or just whatever human being. It's my mom. I came out of her. We have the same cells. Maybe that's why. Like, I just inherited all of that. Like, every feeling of that moment just I uh, feel like it, it, I just felt it and I haven't been able to ever let go of it. And that's just one example 
of like a lot of things that happened in that year of homelessness, but that was the beginning of it. And um, the part about chaos has to do with like uh, the feelings were so big and the space between us and the abyss was so small. Like it felt like the abyss opened up in that moment. Like no one cares. They don't care. The snow doesn't care. No one fucking cares. This card could, the car doesn't care. It's not going to start. Like there's no, like no one fucking cares. And I just really felt that in that moment. And I don't even know if that's true or not. And it, it wasn't true. I'm sure like, we're outside my aunt's house. She's not going to let us freeze to death for Christ. But like in that moment, that's what it felt like. And I felt really in touch with like the vastness of uncaring that is available mm. to us, even if we don't, have, even if it doesn't arrive at us. And so that's the moment I always think of when I think about chaos. Um, and I do think that that experience has like, yeah, equipped me to deal with the world in some ways, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I was like, um, oh God, I so wanted that my, what would come to me when I thought about chaos would be something positive. Like, you know, like I was like, I, my, my, I was so wanted, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to think that and watch. It's going to be like a sleepover. You know, it's going to be something. It's like, look, everybody else is But, um, Literally, I had, anyway, as you were telling your story, like, something just, like, hit me in my gut. And I was like, oh, shit, that's it. <laughs> and I was like, me telling stories, right? And um, you said, like, things that are so, like, but this is it. This is true for me. Um, I got beat as a child as discipline. And, um... There's a way that I don't think I fully let myself like own that and what that like, even though I'm like, like, yeah, you shouldn't be your children. I would never touch a kid. People do. I understand why my mother did it, but that's not okay. Like I'm on, I beat that horse. Like that's, I'm not like that way, but even that I believe that there's a way that maybe for my own safety, I have not like let myself feel it. Do you know what I mean? Like, actually, there's a reason why I feel so strongly about this. Mm -hmm. And then recognizing it's not like, it's because of me, bitch. You know, it's like, it's like, because (laughs) you you feel that way because you experience that versus like thinking about others. Not, what's that word? Altruistic, whatever. It's not like, I'm not just, anyway. Um, And so I think like, I'm a very lovey person. And I know that I was a very lovey child. And so um, when like someone who, you know, and I was my mother, my mother's the only person that ever beat me, um, does something like that to you, it is very like, jarring it's like it's very odd like other outside of the like the welts on the skin like I can remember what the belt looks like you know it's like my mother had these purses and you had the claps on claps on that like made Mm -hmm. in like a shoulder Mm -hmm. bag and it was like that so there's multiple thicknesses that those come in but like it was basically there was that it was a brown one in particular and like I I can remember the like the physical pain of it right now. Like I can actually tap into my body and I can feel that, 
physical pain of it, which is not pleasant, but it's also like so kinky. Like it's also like maybe a level that I enjoy as an adult now, you know, who knows? It's interesting how those things, like I, I have literally never thought about that before this moment, but it's interesting how those things like work themselves out, but that's not the part that, you know, so I can feel that pain, but, and it doesn't like throw me. Like, it's not like, it doesn't feel egregious. Um, but the, the, like unpredictability of like, why it wasn't like, if you did this, you were going to get this. No, it was like, if you did this nine times out of 10, you're going to be cool. But that 10th time (laughs) that you don't know why, and it don't go that order either. It's not like it could be number seven, something like you don't know. Um, whatever it is, whenever it happens, <laughs> there's going to be some chaos. There's going to be a shift. Um, and it, it never made, it never makes sense. It also was like an emotional chaos in that, like now in retrospect, you know, like you have perspective, right? So I can say my, I bet you there is some correlation between when we got beat and when there was money in the bank account or when my father was on some bullshit or when she mumbled that like any kind of the train was late whatever it was she had the daydream that like makes her upset like whatever it is <laughs> her cycle the list could go on and on i'm sure there's some <laughs> orientation there's some make sense but for myself my child self that shouldn't make no sense i could never understand what it is and it and I hold that like being blindsided it comes up in our relationship all the time like that idea of being blindsided will have me fucked up (laughs) and I think um it's and I'm sure in so many other things so many other things so many other things so yeah that's what that's what and I think it's important for me to name that because when I experience my children I, I mean there's definitely rage like levels to it I will say with my child I will say my child when I experience my child because there is something particular about how our youngest um expresses her rage that is particularly challenging for me um it feels like chaos and so in that sense even though my head brain spiritual self knows the you know, breathe five times. This is like, you, you child's got a rage. This is who you wanted to be. She's a black queer woman in the world. This is going to serve her like, oh, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. stuff in that moment. <laughs> it is important for me to recognize that what mm-hmm. I am experiencing is the chaos. Mm-hmm. And that shit is like traumatic. <laughs> so um, I guess I want to start with, um, mm-hmm. yeah, what, parts of well first of all I want to say this idea of an apoplectic child or person we were all sitting around like um one day and then and Rachel this is before I knew you but I knew I was going to knew you knew you mm-hmm. I think the universe knew I was going to knew you but I didn't know yet um anyway um we're sitting around and I don't know we're playing this game we're talking I'm talking about my child I'm like yeah I'm telling Carvel I'm like telling you a story I'm telling a group of people a story about this child and Carvel turns around like oh she's apoplectic (laughs) and I was like um what the fuck does that mean and you were like you said something like 
Like she's just like constantly irritated about the the world. Like like just in a moving through the in this constant feeling of like like this is bullshit. Like just just like this is like that just just like I'm over it. Like what the fuck? And I was like, yes, that is it. And um it was so clarifying for me because it was like it gave it was like yeah she's I actually have this I was gonna I was gonna say I was gonna I might anyway um sorry my brain is doing this and like I want to share this with you guys but not the whole wide world um <laughs> but what I will say what I will share this with you guys but not the whole wide world but um there's a way that she is super sensitive like like like. Like what is happening in the ear pressure can impact her whole, like her whole shit. And so how I receive her, um, anyway, so then like, uh, so it was really helpful to me. Like, oh yeah, this was a person who's just like, yeah, I'm really like upset all the time. And that's, that's a thing. And so I guess my first question for all of you is like, what does, like, how does your apoplectic child express themselves? Rasham, do you, uh, you're thinking, do you, there's something, I, I go, go for it. Tell us, tell us, go for it. No, as you were talking, I'm thinking about my younger one is, I guess I had to Google apoplectic. I'm sorry. <laughs> I <was> just, <laughs> um, and I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was she was also the one who was born um, like me and the me and dad were like not good around her birth. So there was a lot of like I had rage and sadness in me upon her birth. And then this person is born literally like I put her to I, she's born. And I pick her up and she starts breastfeeding. Like the other one wouldn't, couldn't figure it out for like days. It was like breastfeeding, like, you know, all the things. This one just born, latches, drinking milk, you know? And then also she's like, it turns out she has, um, what's that skin disorder? Um, but just like really dry, itchy skin, like from birth, eczema. She turns out she's allergic to nuts. I find out when I give her a walnut and everything, you know, so she's just also had that kind of body that she's had to pay attention to how her body feels. Like now when she goes, she's the one who tells people who she played a or something. I I'm allergic to nuts. Is Are there nuts in that? You know, I know she can advocate for herself because honestly, sometimes, I forget because it's not like an allergy where she stops breathing. It's one, you know, thank God. But so she's on top of her body, this one, because she has to be. And I think about that connection between being so in tune with your body and then being very much in tune with your needs generally, like your emotional needs, because that's how I think about rage often is that there's a way, and, and even that definition of apoplectic, like there's a way you know you should be treated, you want to be treated, and you don't even know where that comes from, right? Because they're not reading books on, you know, like how I should, you know, how the world should treat me. They just like know somehow, like this is not right. 
So this has been going on with that child since she was like, before she had words, she like knew a way that she wanted to be treated. So that what that looked like was like, she was always by my side. She didn't let me go very far. She's still like, she holds my hand because she's just not so, so quite so sure about adults. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like even me, me she too. holds my hand. She's eight because she's not sure if I'm going to walk too fast and she might get lost in the store, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. to be honest, yeah. Like you shouldn't be so sure about <laughs> adults all the time. Um, Cause we're, we're on some other shit. Like we're not always, here present with you so so that's how she takes care of herself and what that means is that if I'm tired if I don't have capacity because it's just me right like sometimes it's just me like all weekend and I run out of steam so when I run out of steam she everything grinds to a halt it's not we are not doing anything you're not eating dinner you're not you forget it and then it's like and then she's going to tell me, like, you're so mean. You're so mean. That, that's her thing. And I know it's not like a curse. But to me, when yeah. she tells me that I am so mean, it just goes straight inside mm-hmm. of me. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm mean. I'm like a mean person. <laughs> but I think about that connection between, like, knowing your body. And also, just for me, as an adult, like... The rage, um, I think rage is like really healthy for me. It's how I know how to exit unhealthy dynamics with people. Like you have to know what to do with it, right? Because also with rage, I'll send an email, like, you know what I mean? I'll like, and I've learned as I've aged how to, what to do with that. Oftentimes now when I'm, my healthy rage looks like me telling a person I care about, like, I'm really angry. You know what I mean? Just that, like, instead of me doing some other shit. But um, something, when the rage turns into, for me, when it turns into, like, hopelessness or depression, that, for me, is much harder for me to bear. Like, that is when I can't see what I need to do. Like, that, for me, is, like, worse in a way I mean it's also fine I don't I'm not like labeling it as good or bad like all of these emotions I feel are necessary I think you know the the depression kind of or the hope like these other feelings just force me to sit with instead of needing to do something about it but I guess that's that's what I'll say I'm going off on me but um that's what I'll say about <laughs> I was like I was I gotta say I was like first of all a couple of things I feel yeah. like I'm in like a support group. Like I literally, as you were yeah. telling your story and I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like yeah. nothing's happened. Like that kind of, when you said like everything is going to come to a halt, there is yeah. something about that that resonated so much with my lived experience in this house um, with my person. And when you were telling it, I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. But when I'm experiencing it, I'm like, fuck no. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as you were telling, I was like, that's what it should be. You're feeling that something, everything stops, you know? Yeah. I, always, yeah. I always say, I'm like, I, I say this all the time. Like, I just think that 
Glory was meant to be like royalty, like a queen. Like me, if we if we were in a different time, and she she would be fine. She would be a dope queen. Like she would like kill <laughs> shit. Like I feel. I mean, she knows how to make decisions. She's very like caring for her people. Like she, would, but she would not be with the shits. Like she would like like you're done. Like we don't have any time for it. But that's not you know. I don't have. Yeah. Anyway, so everything that when yeah. you said that, that kind of like resonated with me. I was the oldest daughter, mm-hmm. so I think because you're also talking about the youngest sibling, and I'm talking about the younger one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just think that's a dynamic. I don't. I didn't grow up as like needing to alert everyone. Yes. I am. You know what I mean? Like yes. that's just a yes. dynamic. I don't have experience yes. in. So just yes. naming that. Absolutely. Too, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Carvel. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I um, I think that if she trains people on how to treat her is actually what it always feels like now. That she's like, she won't stand for any treatment that is not aligned with her value and sense of self. And she uses the tools that are at her disposal because... How much power does she have otherwise um, as, you know, even when, as, as a little child, as like a five-year-old or seven-year-old or 12-year-old or 14-year-old um, Black girl moving through the world? How much power does she feel like she has against institutions? Against, so, like, I think that she uses rage to train people on, on how to treat her. Um, it's, like, it's like, it reminds me of when they... Um, when they're when they're doing forest fire like work up here and they set like a fire perimeter they set like a fire that's basically like you can't go past this kind of thing it feels like she's like that's the main tool she has is like i am setting a fire that if you cross this line you will burn <laughs> and i would just be like told you so um and uh the way it looks is uh it's yelling definitely yelling she's always been a yeller um and then as she got older, it evolved into this very um, intense, like, it's not yelling. It's just, like, strident talking. But the shit she's saying is so mean that, like, if you feel like you're being yelled at, but now she can be like, I'm not yelling. You're just a terrible parent. It's not, I'm just saying, what? everyone's like, Georgia, what? No, I'm just saying what's true. Like, I'm sorry if you can't handle the fact that you haven't raised me well enough to, for me to, then that's your problem. I didn't, you know, and you're just like, ah! and she's just like, brah, brah, brah. it's just like the way that she just keep firing when you're just like, nah. It's really, like, it's really amazing. And I know that she does that with us probably a lot more than she does it uh, in school, but she does it in school sometimes too with teachers. I remember in seventh grade, she had this computer teacher and uh, she does a lot of, like she takes, she's been taking a lot of computer classes since seventh grade. And um, she had this one computer teacher. And I remember this guy, this poor guy would call us up every couple of weeks. You know, George is such a good student, but she disrespected me in this way. Or she disrespected me in that way. And, you know, just if you guys could have a, I'm wondering if we could like have a conference. And at some point I had to tell him, look, bro, I don't know how to tell you this. She does not respect you. <laughs> and she, because she has no respect for mediocre white men. And honestly, that's how she sees you. And you're just going to have to live with that. Like, I'm not, there's nothing I can be like, oh, George, you know, what am I going to do? Like, like ground her? Like, it's over, bro. Like, she does not respect you. She sees right through your charade. And I don't know what to tell you. You're just 
going to have to live with that. And so um, her tools are um, anger and dismissiveness. And she's, mm-hmm. she's gotten really skilled at using those. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows what you want and she knows how to maneuver around it. Uh, she knows if you want respect, she'll look, she'll, and you haven't earned it. She will, she knows exactly how to not give you the respect that she knows is core to your identity. Um, you know, and, uh, I actually, that was the way that I grew up too, was knowing how to like, because I was not an outward anger person. They say depression is rage turned inward. I definitely turned all my rage inward. Um, but I, but one of the ways I did express it was I got very astute at recognizing when people needed something from me. Uh, and if I didn't respect them, then I would like take delight in not giving it to them and watching them squirm. <laughs> that was a big way that I navigated through the world. And um, I also remember this time when my son was in second grade and he, this is the year we got divorced and he was going through a lot of stuff. And he had this poor teacher who was her first year and he gave her the business, like this person, you know, anyway, she was trying so hard. I remember they had to write this story for like in writing class and they were learning about how to do literature and they had to have a good guy and a bad guy. And there could be no elements of magic. So as we wrote this story that was like magic, 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 this like wizard that and everything. And the teacher was like, Oh no, you misunderstood the assignment. And she was like, can you redo it? And he was like, Oh, okay. And then he rewrote it. Wizard, wizard, magic, this, that everything flowers. And then she was like, Oh my God, that's like, I think you misunderstood. So she emailed us and was like, listen, Ezra's having a hard time understanding the assignment. I spoke with him. I'm going to have an after-school meeting. So um, we had an after-school meeting. We all sat with Ezra. We told him, he said, oh, I got it. And then he wrote the story again. And it, the story was about a mean dragon who tried to kill an innocent, uh, who tried to keep an innocent bug from using magic. <laughs> right. And in the end, and, and in the end, the bug used magic and like made the dragon disappear or whatever. And that was it. And she, the thing that she said at the end was, she was like, every time I told him what I wanted, he just nodded and agreed. And then he would just throw the paper in the trash whenever he left the room. And I just related to that as a way of like, if we don't fuck with you, we might not ever tell you. We'll just like ice you out until you stop talking to us. Good to know. Good to yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> we will just dismiss you. What does being free mean? Not cleaning up the living room? No, Mama. Then what are you talking I'll about? I clean up the living room in my own time. I like clean spaces too. Everyone does. Yeah, boy, but it's... But Mama, if I'm in a bad mood, it's for a reason. And if it's not for a reason, then I need my space. I mean, I have so many stories. The stories are like, like, like the stories for days. But I was thinking about how often it happens in airports. So when I started thinking of stories, mm-hmm. multiple airport stories just came to me right quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my favorites is going through the airport, where he sees a beanie boo, counter counters, all, you know, they do at the airport, like the, the kid traps. Well, mm-hmm. the kid trap, my kid is like, why would the fuck would they put the beanie boos right here if I'm not supposed to have one? That doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? Obviously, I'm supposed to have one. I'm like, I think our flight got, ew, I'm already, I'm like, I, I'm not. And so actually, I don't know what ever happened, but 
there's a way she has a full-on breakdown about the beanie boos. Like, not getting a beanie boo. She starts crying. I decided, actually, this is how it really, really got fucked up. Because I had the capacity, I actually was chill that day. I don't know why. But I was like one of those moments because I'm like with my my mother and my sisters. And there's something about that moment. I was just feeling real like relaxed. But anyhow, I was like, she had the breakdown. I said, you know what? I have the capacity for this today. Glory, this is fucked up. They should not have put the beanie. <laughs> and yeah. I know you're upset. Yeah. I'm upset about it, too. But we're not buying these beanie boos here. The reason, and the reason we're not buying these beanie boos here is not because you can't have a beanie boo. You can have a beanie boo. But in the airport, they are trying to charge us seven dollars for beanie mm-hmm. boos that's supposed to be three dollars. So actually, bet when we go, mm-hmm. you get beanie boos. Glory proceeds to lose her entire mm-hmm. shit. Like I don't mm-hmm. have time for your whatever mm-hmm. your your nickel and diamond shit you're doing, bitch. I don't got time for it. Get me my beanie boos. So she like, you know, full on body fall to the ground. We're, mm-hmm. we're coming through. We're coming through mm-hmm. security. She And I just like sit there with her. Mm-hmm. My mother and sisters were like, what the fuck mm-hmm. is going on? Mm-hmm. The security person. And I just sat there with her. I let her cry. Um, mm-hmm. My sisters, they're just looking at me like, I don't know how you're doing this right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, like, how, but I just, at that moment, felt like I had the cap- capacity for it. Mm-hmm. The security person came, was like, you cannot just be sitting here, miss, in the <laughs> middle of security with your crying child. And I think, anyway, the short of it is tantrums. And also the reads, like, there's a lot of you didn't, reading. You didn't buy the beanie book. No, I didn't buy the beanie book. Wow. I was so stupid and young then. Yeah. <laughs> I would never make that mistake today. I would never. I would have bought three beanie boots to get out of that airport. But then, like I said, I thought I had the capacity. Yeah. And yeah, so I was yeah. like, yeah. what? I'll be buying beanie boots for days. That's what no, I'm trying to explain to people. I'm trying to explain to people. But like right now, um, there's a lot of like reading you for filth. Like the other day. Yes. She says, she says, uh, um, she says something like, I'm trash. And, um, yeah, yeah, she's like, I'm, she's all, I'm always, she's reading me always, like, Mm -hmm. you're trash. I don't remember exactly what she said, but basically, that's what she said. And, um, yes, but she was, she's very, she was very upset with me, which made, and for a good reason. So, anyway, she's like, you're trash. And, um, she says to my oldest, she says to Blue, I hope. You should stop hanging out with mom because if you continue to hang out with mom, you may become the kind of mother she is, and you would not want that. And Yo. it was like blue starts like getting all like teary and like, Gloria, you really hurt my feelings because you know I do want to grow up to be a kind of mom, mom. And I think you're being cruel, but but Gloria turns is like, you're delusional. Yo, that's it. <laughs> Literally, just yeah, and just continue, it. and just continue, just can like literally, like. So there's right a there's, now, like you can't, you don't the levels, you couldn't even the read is so strong, like you can't. It's the, it's like I don't even have time for it. Like yeah. I don't even. It's like it's so hard. There's so, a new thing so that hard. happens when they when they gain the like because at the begin like when they're younger they can they they the tool they have is is the tantrum the public tantrum the shaming mm-hmm. which they. I think also know they're doing the same work in that moment because they know that that yes, tantrum yes, yes, yes. 
it's shaming you. It's this. It's disorienting you. It's 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 disempowering you. It's deplatforming it's you. They know that. Love, was leveling it's us on. It's, it's leveling the playing field. The but there's. A, but I have to say, there's another. And may I'm just saying this because those public tantrums are so far in the background for me. I mean, you know, there was a point in the you know early 2000s where my life was dominated by them, mid 2000s. But now they're not. Now, but there was a point. I remember like around middle school when they those switched to the ability to read you for filth when they switch to the ability to disempower you through logic and words and like just like flipping arguments on you and you're just like what like you have no defense it's really it's it's really powerful you know i love you i'm i will do anything for you i just want to take care of you i want you to be they safe they always say anything what they always say anything they don't mean anything. Oh my gosh! I can, this is like Your this whole thing has gone in a whole. <laughs> I just feel this like I just feel like this whole thing has gone a whole way mm. because um, I guess my next question was like, what makes you know? I think we're in. I'll just say we are definitely like, and I think it is like one of those things that. I want to I want to recognize the variations of how people meet this conversation and I will say that we are all meeting this conversation in a particular place in our like relationship with our children mm-hmm. that allows us to see them as fully formed human beings and respect like their right to human like to the vastness of emotions and like we you know we're not like and i and i just and i think i take for granted that that's where i am and where people who i'm parenting in community with are um and i'm recognizing and realizing partially because of the lovely book that you let you you sent to me all about love's got me all about fucked up but what i want to say is this understanding like you know, children are not being loved in, in like how I would define love. And so it can be hard to then be in space where we like, you know, we're loving our children. And like, how do you do that in places that don't think of loving in the same way you think of loving? Mm -hmm. So like in the um, all about love, the bell hooks kind of defines love, like, or whole, like, creates the sheer definition of love based on something someone else said that is um, love is the willingness to expand um, for the spiritual growth of yourself or another mm-hmm. or and another. I've taken it to mean and another. That's how we've been talking mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. here. Like it is a reciprocal like thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like in hearing that, I was like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, that yes 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 that's what i am doing i am loving i am loving i'm loving um and then like no i don't know a lot of people who are loving (laughs) i was like oh no i don't who defines love this way um Hmm. i don't understand like this is so um yeah i was telling blue about definition and she's like yeah love is hard you know like it's that kind of thing when you like find so anyway i say that that it can be very difficult and challenging to like be expansive with your children and allow the capacity for the rage in the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering like, what makes it cha- like, what is, um, yeah. When the world is making it hard <laughs> for mm-hmm. your child to like 
rage. Shit. Don't tell me I lost it. <laughs> um, I had something like right there. That's why I was like, gotta, gotta say it. Um, I'm just thinking about how different times are now. And when we were kids, like we're all sitting here talking about our children, our apoplectic child's rage, you know, when I was growing up, like you, it just, I mean, for, to be clear, like I was able to rage and I think about how rare that was like that. And sometimes I was like knocked all the way down and sometimes like I wasn't. And I think about, I just wasn't, I didn't have all the rage completely just beat out of me. Like there was just enough that survived that made it to adulthood that I could, or something like that. But I know so many children, like um, at that time when we grew up, like you're just, you know, like that you're supposed to be this like good kid and represent your family and tell everyone what college you went to and what job you did. You're supposed, you're like represent the family. And um, so like, you're this like pride of the family when you look a certain way, you know? And when you're, as a, as a daughter, that looks like being very nice and agreeable, like definitely not raging, you know what I mean? Smiling, <laughs> eating all the food that, you know, I'm just thinking about that, like how, we really didn't have just our, my relationship to rage as a child was very different than I think my children have get to have that I get to have with their rage. So I'm just sitting kind of in gratitude for mm -hmm. just that shift, yes, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. But and then I'm thinking about like what you said, Nolika, about um, how their rage, because it just feels like it's almost one generation. It's not like that removed. Mm -hmm. That how for me, when I get triggered, my child's rage, I don't know that I can even remember that this is my child or something. Like I kind of become like a child myself, you know, like I go somewhere else where I can't, I am. And so I go somewhere else where I'm not quite, sure what I am you know I'm I know that I am like feeling so much I know enough that I know I cannot like react or do too much in this moment mm -hmm. so sometimes I will literally like lie like make sure everyone's safe and just like lie down <laughs> you know just like lie down have a moment by myself raging can occur because sometimes it's just me so like I can't be um Assist, I don't know. I, I sometimes let it just happen. You're saying things that are like making these truths. Everything that you guys are saying is like triggering my own like um, willingness to be vulnerable, yeah. I guess. And like what you were saying about what happens to you, I want to just share like what happens to me is I can become vicious with my like like, I don't, like, my, all my superpowers, I'm, like, I'm going to go use those shits. <laughs> like, it's, like, very, like, you know, like, irresponsible with what, like, it's, 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 like, and I, I just want to say that. Like, I think, 
that's just honest. Like I definitely, and I, when you, you say like, I'm triggered, right? Like, and I don't know. And I feel like, I feel, I mean, I was talking about Marvel because like, I feel entitled. Like I, even though I'm trying to reject this, like, yeah child hierarchical yeah. dynamic i it is deeply ingrained in me and so in that moment i'm giving i'm giving i'm giving and you just it's like i feel um and yeah uh, <laughs> so I, I, like, I i relate i relate because yes. in in my not so great moment i can also become yeah. yeah um carvel what in what what in the world is making it hard for your child to rage or you to i guess i was saying it like you to allow your child to rage. Yeah, I mean, I think this thing that you said that Rachel like talk, alluded to is a really important thing that I feel like I've experienced, which is that we have to remember, even though we're the parents, like our kids can push us back to our childhoods. Like they, but you know what I'm saying? If they do stuff to us, that is that echoes other harms that were done to us when we were children mm-hmm. and they don't obviously they're not acting out of the same place that whatever other elder family member who harmed me in this way was acting out of but it can push me back there and i mean i like that Rishman tells me about this all the time it's like laying down <clears throat> i really like that because i feel like that when my kids were younger and i was in conflict with them more i yes i was i was entitled um like worthlessness stuff came up like if i'm not a great parent then i'm worthless if you don't appreciate me having cooked dinner and cleaned and given you this great advice and helped you with your homework and gotten everyone ready for bed if you don't properly appreciate that then what you're really saying is that i have no value i'm worthless i don't matter they're not saying that they're five and seven my, mm-hmm. in, my my inner story is saying that and they're bringing and they're triggering that story. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, so the, the anger I have at them is like the anger that, or with the whatever that I have at them um, is my personal stress. Mm-hmm. I also say that there's external stressors too that I experienced, especially raising a black son where I felt really consciously hyper afraid of how his behavior would cause the world to harm him. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, you're worried about harm in different ways for your different kids, but I would say for my black son, I definitely had this in in this intense uh, internalized thing that I think drove a lot of the shitty parenting that I had thrown on me when I was a kid, which is this, like, if you don't get your shit together, they're going to kill you. And like, that is, that was the message that I was given rarely that explicitly. It was just that intensity was underneath everything. And so the intensity around like, did I set the table right? Or did I like do my fucking math homework? It's just, this goes back to the chaos thing. (laughs) Seemed unpredictable and weird. Why are these people wiling out like this? It's not even that deep, but for them on some level, it really was. And I saw that when my son was like, wouldn't follow directions, would jump around a lot, just kind of like be hyper, hyperactive, bouncing off the walls. I would, I couldn't, the thing that stood in the way of me, like giving him space to be who he was, was this like external fear that was pressuring me, that I felt like I was trying to shape him and mold him to navigate this sick society. 
Um, so I would say that came up a lot for me. Um, but the thing about feeling worthless also that if I wasn't, that if my parenting didn't properly, like wasn't properly acknowledged or whatever, I also felt like I felt this a lot with my daughter when she gets mad at me for being whatever. The last big fight we had that was like, this was around Christmas. I remember at the end of last year, you know, because everything was whatever, their mom and I decided, look, we're not going to do a huge fucking Christmas this year. It's going to be very chill. We're just going to be with the family, have some food, like it's going to be whatever. And just the way and timing that I told my daughter about it didn't land right for her. And she blew up. And then I got all offended. Like, dare you, this, that, the other, do you have any idea what we've been through? Do you have any idea what it's like to be a parent right now? Parenting through COVID, second year of fucking parenting through COVID, all my trauma, everyone's trauma, Black Lives Matter, this, that. You have no idea. It was that feeling of like, you have no idea what I have gone through in order for you to even just be with a roof over your head and like like loving parents who were in who are in community with you. Like you don't know what I've been through. And that righteous indignation is like I'm carrying my own trauma. Mm-hmm. And that own my that own personal trauma that I had, all the shit I had to like all the demons I had to fight to be a functional human being right now, all that is I'm carrying that with me. So when my poor daughter is just like, Oh, I'm stressed now. Cause it looks like we might not get our Christmas tradition. And I really need this Christmas tradition because I, I too am going through chaos. And so I really cling to this. I don't hear that first. The first thing I hear is you have you ungrateful little so-and-so you have no idea what I've been through and you're not properly honoring that. So that, all the trauma that I'm carrying, that also stands in the way of me having space. Um, and so every day is a day of working through that for the sake of making sure these kids have some fucking safety in their lives in the in ways that I did. I think, I mean, some it's like the some tangible things that are hard that's coming to me, which is how loud glory is like it's just like really loud because <laughs> like, really quiet here it's like everything is like buttoned up and quiet and so yeah, like, yeah. and i'm like it's it's hard that yeah. I, it's like a weird thing how loud she can be and like how it, it really like i start to think about people outside of the two of us mm-hmm. which isn't serving any of us in that moment when i start yep. to like wonder like how loud is this um I would say that's one of the really, that's one of the things I think is really hard. And I think it has a lot to do with um, how I want to be perceived. And I don't yes. ever really gotten in touch with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, that mm-hmm. one's hitting me right now. Yeah, I That's would, real. I, yeah, I want to say that I feel like time really mm. prevents it because mm-hmm. like, I just, this person needs so much more time. Like, I don't even know, more, like, just, like, time. (laughs) Like, like an excessive, excessive amount of time. And we're spending so much time acclimating her to the limitations of this world and time, like, not, you know, society, that, yeah, she can't have all the feelings that she, you know, we're just busy doing that. And that is really, I feel like that's really, really hard. And um, 
as you were talking and I was just thinking about like, well, how the fuck are we doing this? Right. Or how, like, what is the approach? You know, like how, like, how do we do it? Um, I, I just thought about like, I have so much gratitude for this child and what she has taught me about love. Ooh, I mean, like, like, I know I love her. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, for a second question, never, like, I know that shit. In a way, I don't think I know that about any, you know, anybody else. Or I have, you know, like, I'm like, like, and I know, yeah, is, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, there's this way of this, like, intensity about how much it takes to love her that makes me aware of it, if that makes mm. sense. Um, it's like, I have to bring it up. Like, I have to tap into it. I have to exercise it. I have to engage with it. It's not like just, I can't take, mm. I don't take it for granted. I don't take it for granted because it can be, it's, it's hard. Mm. It's like, it's, 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 it's like, it is, and it's, it's hard because, um, it's hard because of my oppression. It's hard because I am fighting so many demons, like so, so many demons in order to like access the level of empathy and compassion that is required to live the loving life I want to live that this, this person is asking for now, who I birthed. I mean, even when you were telling your birthing story that like this child came at a really interesting time in my like parenting like journey you know I had a miscarriage and I was like devastated by it like devastated by it and I remember I got we got pregnant again and I was like what the fuck <laughs> you know like 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 I'm in the midst of a lot of like like how is like what the like what all is happening right now I mean we had some very very heated like it was it, yes it was a it was a hard time and I think um literally came out and was attached to me for the first year of her life like a, like literally my pocketbook like all like we're going attached and there's a way that I just like yeah I don't know this is it's very interesting it's very interesting and so anyway for all of those things I think I'm um I'm like, I'm really curious about like, whereas the like, what has having this person um, in your life taught you about like love? That's such a good question. <laughs> oh, oh. I'll start. I think it's come up for us, like just talking in therapy, that love happens in the repair. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. Glory's willing to fucking flip the table, rip shit up, mm-hmm. and blow it all up, mm-hmm. there's a lot of repairing happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. you get a lot of practice at it. Mm-hmm. You get, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we get a lot of making up. We do making up yeah. more than probably anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> now, I want to just add to that like, Glory has taught me how to like, how to apologize, mm. like how to be accountable for your shit. Like, I don't think like, like, like you got to mm. really like, 
how to really like, Mm -hmm. and how to recognize that I might not understand the harm that I have caused you, but trust it was harm caused. And Mm -hmm. you might not be able because of who you are, how you are, the power dynamic between the two of us to express the harm that I've caused you. Mm -hmm. But we going to just like, accept that's the truth and keep it moving. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry. And so mm-hmm. I think that way of like, cause it plays out in, in our relationship. It plays out in how I engage with everybody. Like, right. I'm not going to know. I'm not going to know. I'm not, I can't, words mm-hmm. can't express this and that's okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, um, it has something to do with, the amount of space that love exists and that like, as you said before, that love exists in the repair. Like I also find that for me, love exists in, for me in like a certain um, balance between um, space and closeness. I don't know how to explain it. I know that because my daughter and I, when we fight, we don't apologize. This is actually a fascinating thing. She never, I remember one time I wrote about her in a New York Times magazine piece and then they fact checked. And I said in the piece that she, she'll apologize at the end of some of these fights. And then they called her and were like, do you apologize at the end of these fights? I remember reading it. Yeah. And she said, well, I, I might apologize for what I, for how I said it, but I never apologize for what I said because what I said is never wrong. Mm-hmm. And and they, they did it over email, but the fact checks sent me the whole email exchange because they always do. When, and it was so funny to see my daughter say that. And it's true. She has a really hard time apologizing. I don't try to, I mean, I do what I can, but I also don't try to force apologies for her. I don't try to force reconciliation with her. My reconciliation with her comes in the return, which is something actually Ration talks a lot about. I feel like she's the one who kind of gave me that word that it's about return and the way we return to each other, even after there's been hurt feelings and damage and harm, that's, I have come to give a lot more faith in the return that we return to each other to create love in a moment, to figure out what to do for dinner, to figure out how to like navigate this situation with a teacher, to help with this like paper, to go to Target, to pick out some plants. There's just something about return that I don't think I really truly understood um, before she started growing older that is a big part of how I like practice love, mm-hmm. you know, physically practice it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I received that. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I received that. I received that. Yeah. I received that. Were you going to say something? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm feeling emotional at this mm-hmm. question because I think for a long time I was struggling with that question of love. And now I think part of why I'm mailing Ten copies of all about love to people and being like it's because I'm like in practice around it you know because mm-hmm. in the last few years my marriage has you know just ended and I, I do not have a return with a person who I created these children with Mm-hmm. And if I'm real, like I'll sit with how that has been like a, it's kind of like an ongoing grief. We're in conversation. We try really hard. We cry. I'm like, you know, it's just like these sessions that we have 
together. So it's, I know we feel um, pain and we feel like we, we're in effort around this, but I think that question just brings up a lot about what, um, how just like, just love fits with me or whatever. But I think this child of mine, like um, this relationship with her, fundamentally, I think why it's emotional is because I think it kind of reminds me that I am also deserving of love, like exactly how I am. And it reminds me that like, even this like angry, rageful child that I was, and this person I am, this like difficult person, you know, um, that I, that that's what this relationship with this child teaches me that like, I, I am also deserving of love. And it's emotional too, because then like Carvel is in this call, this person with whom I'm like practicing love with and who also is a part of that um like that continual return to me where, where I'll have days where I'll just be like oh this this is done this relationship is over like I have there's no way this person's coming back after how uh, how I went off you know um <laughs> like it's not um but so this relationship is also it's like this relationship with Carvel this relationship with my with my child like I'm in conversation with both of them and also with myself um about like just truly loving myself like exactly where I am not where I'm going to be after years of therapy whatever whatever like right now like with all of my shit mm -hmm. um, because that's what it takes to love these children like right. they are just in progress mm -hmm. and like so it just remind it's like a reminder of how you can love yourself ultimately mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to say, um, and also it, to me, like what you're saying, it also helps me know that there are people who love me like that now. Mm -hmm. And I think like, because like, I see how much like I love her, her father loves her her siblings love her she's learning to love herself she's so compassionate with herself like and like people love me like every time with my kids and they're like i love you i'm just like i have to let myself like really like they're, they're not just like saying that shit like they're like no you bitch right there <laughs> but you know like i see you i think you're dope I want to just be in your space all the time. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> but yes, and that kind of thing, but it takes a lot to take it in. And I think the other thing I want to say that my, I was thinking about what my apoplectic child has like helped me like learn and step into is fucking more. Like you deserve more. I want, like, watching Glory order some shit in a restaurant will help you get your life. Like, you know, you've never seen anything like this. When people don't show her due respect, she looks it's at them, she looks at them like they're apps, like, I I like, where I order? It's like, no, no, I got it. No, no, what do you all want? What do you all want? I want? And it's dead ass serious. And part of we and we just, we just sit there and we're just, like, supporting it. Like, yeah, go ahead. Like, mm -hmm. I just, like, how much we, because we know how good that is, we encourage it. Like yeah. we want, like, 
her obnoxiousness is like we live for it. Rapping in the morning, rapping in the evening, doing, um i've been asking at the end of the season and i mean i've got to talk to all of you but if there's nothing it's fine if you have any questions for me i know you all have questions for me but i mean about this topic that we're talking oh, no. about <laughs> around like around parenting around <laughs> yeah. what is your like, deal what? <laughs> 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 oh gosh um anything is that a real one no it's just thank you for this yes. conversation yeah thank, thank you. you thank yeah. you Stand up fussing and fighting. Raising Rebels is produced by Queer Media a family production company specializing in audio and visual art through a black queer lens this was edited by Marcelino Van Callias at La Femme Productions. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Raising Rebels Pod or email us at Raising Rebels at QueerMedia.co.y. Thank you for listening to Raising Rebels. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.